So uh, with that, I have one more uh, thing I want to talk to you about. And my wife, Kristen, can come on up. And my kids, Xavier, who's eight, and Stella, who's seven. A number of months ago, Pastor Paul, at our, at our all-church-wide uh, meeting, had talked about our heart and our vision behind the ministry here at Harvest. And you know, as you can look around, our, our ministry here is growing and we're expanding on a, a rapidly. A lot of people are coming and we're running out of space. It's hard to believe when we first came into this building that we're already out of space almost. And rather than having bigger buildings and bigger parking lots and, 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 and growing that, that way, our heart is that we, we, we send out and plant churches. And the very first church that we're going to plant, my wife and I are going to be sent out. And um, we're going to give you an update on what that is and the things that the Lord's been doing over the last few months. Many of you have been asking, hey, are there any updates about what's been going on? Well, tonight we're going to give you a little bit of an update. All right. So, hey, when we, when we step out and do a new work, when you leave an existing ministry and you go out to plant a church, it's an exciting time, right? And the Lord is moving. But when you go out and you plan to take territory in the enemy's camp, guess what? That doesn't often just happen easily. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opposition that can potentially come. And I'm reminded of the fact that when the Lord called Joshua, remember when the Israelites, they were up there at the, at the, the, the Jordan River, they were about to enter into the promised land. Moses had just passed away. They spent the last 40 years in the desert because they didn't trust and believe God to take uh, the land of the promised land. And the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said this, have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord was calling Joshua to lead this great people of his across the Jordan River to go and take the promised land. Now this was no easy task because there were giants in the land. There were well-fortified cities and there were vast armies. And if they were going to go into the land, it, there was going to be opposition. The enemy wasn't just going to let them come in and take their city. But the Lord had promised that he would be with them. And when they began to cross that Jordan River, the very first thing that they did is they built an altar to the Lord and they worshiped God. And they sought him in prayer and God began to put in their hearts the battle plan. And as we begin this new work for this church plant, we don't want to have 10 steps on how to do a church plant. We don't want to do all of these things, which there's plenty out there, but we want to seek the Lord. We want to hear his heart for what his desire is for this work. This is his work. And so as we begin to step out, um, we need to pray. And so we're going to start organizing some monthly meetings. And we'll tell you about the frequency. We'll tell you the date and the time that you can come and join us to pray. This doesn't mean that you're coming with us, but this means, hey, we want you to come along and be a part of this, to pray for us, to encourage us as we begin to step out in this new venture. And, um, and so we want to invite you to pray for a few things tonight um, regarding that. And the first thing is, is faith. You know, when God called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees to leave all of his family, to leave all of his, everything that was familiar, his safety, his security, to go to a land where God was going to call him. Guess what? That would have been a very difficult thing to do. And over the last 12 years, I've served here at Harvest. My wife and I have been serving here and being a part of this ministry. And I love it. It's bittersweet. You know, I love Pastor Paul. I love working with him and the staff here. It's an incredible work. But when the Lord begins to call you, it's a, it takes faith to step out and to trust him, to leave what is familiar, to go out to the place where um, that's of the unknown. 
And so we are asking that you join us in praying for us that God would give us great faith, faith like Abraham, to trust God every step of the way. That when there's giants that we're looking to him for our provision, we're looking to him for, um, to lead us, to guide us. And, you know, pray for our family. We're leaving everything, our kids ministry here, to step out to start this new work. And so we just covet your prayers in that area. Next, the thing that we want to pray for is people. You know, we're asking that we're praying that God would speak to many of you. You know, we would love to see two to 300 people come with us to join us and that God would speak to you about this opportunity we have. And we just, just don't want people to come. We want mature believers. Why would we want mature believers? Because mature believers are faithful. Planting a church can be hard work and it can be, and in the tough seasons that people aren't gonna walk away. And so also mature believers are generous people. They're generous in how they give. They're generous in how they, um, with their resources. They're generous with uh, their, um, their treasure. They're generous with their time. And so we're praying as, as, as we begin to start these prayer meetings, would you consider coming with us? And the next thing we want you to pray for is to pray for the people that we're going to go and reach, that God would begin to, to soften their hearts, that as we begin to share the word of God, that as we begin to share the gospel, that those hearts would be penetrated with the truth and their lives would be impacted and not just their lives, but their entire families. And so we would love for you to pray for us with that. And lastly, the thing that we want you to pray for is our location, our location. Um, we have been doing our due diligence over the last months, trying to figure out, okay, where does a majority of everybody live here? And so we've done some research in our, our databases that we have, pulled together some stuff where zip codes of how many people live in our zip codes. And you know what? It's amazing. The results pulled people from all over the city of Fort Wayne. But there's a pocket of people, of gathering of people around that downtown area. And so we're, we're pursuing planting this church around that downtown area. Now, that's what we're, we feel like God is maybe leading us in that direction, but God can always lead us in a different direction. So we're open to his guiding, but we're, we're, we're considering of planting around that downtown area, which would capture a lot of the, you people that come, a lot of um, our church members that are coming from those areas. And uh, why would we plant in the downtown area? Have you ever, this is the city of churches. Well, there's a lot of churches walking away from the authority of scripture. And we believe that it's the power of God that transforms the condition of the heart. Look at our city. Our city's doing incredible things in that downtown, downtown area. The revitalizing sections of the downtown area. And I love it. I love seeing new things come to life. But guess what? It is the power of God that transforms the condition of the heart. And we want to transform and revitalize dead things, the deadness of men's hearts to come alive to the power of the gospel. And um, that's what we're praying for. And so pray with us that God would speak to us. We've been over the last couple of months, I've been looking at different buildings. Um, just yesterday, I took Pastor uh, Brian and Pastor Matt with me. We went down and looked at a building and we're meeting and we're just, we're, we're, we're praying, God, lead and guide us. Shut the door where you don't want us, but open a door where, where you would have us be. And, um, and so if you know of any buildings or you know of any places that, uh, that would be a great spot for a church plant, please come up and talk to us. We believe that it begins with a relationship. And you know, we're, so, we're, we're praying that the same thing that happened with this building, a kingdom transaction would take place to give us a fresh and awesome start for this new work. And finally, I close with this, where 
Um, Paul is now about to check out. He knows his time is coming to an end. And he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, who's pastoring a church in Ephesus. And he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's not telling Timothy to muster up the good old college try, to, to strap up your bootstraps and, and just get back in the game. He's saying, look, you receive strength. You receive power by God's grace. The, the unlimitless power of God for whatever work that he calls you to. If he's calling you to a work, then he's going to supply you with the power necessary. And so we're believing, we're just praying, pray with us that God would establish us by his grace, his divine provision, his divine um, protection, his divine um, uh, just leading us in this whole effort. And so if, if God is calling us, he's going to equip us. And so we're excited about that. Would you, would you pray with us? Brian, will you come up and, and pray with us, please? Are we going to miss this guy or what? You know what? One, there's a lot of things about Craig that uh, I'm going to miss. But one of them is how he says, thank you, Lord, after the song. You never, I know that wasn't a good imitation, but it is one of the things I'm going to miss about my brother. And there's another thing that we're going to miss, and that's some of you. Because you're going to go with him and the Lord's going to put on your heart to go with him and uh, be a blessing to him and, uh, and to wherever. The Lord sends him. Amen. All right, let's pray. Amen. Father, we love our brother. And Lord, we uh, love you. We love what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you that you want to send him out and plant a new light in some place, uh, whether it's in the city, wherever you want it to be, yes, Lord, Lord, that's where we want it to be. Yes. And so we ask you to continue to lead Craig and guide him by you, your Holy Spirit to that place that you've prepared. And whether that is uh, sooner or later, we thank you for your timing. It's always perfect. We pray for your mantle of leadership to be upon him as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. Lord, that you continue to establish the path of his feet and the work of his hands. We thank you for Kristen and these two beautiful children. Father, protect them, keep them, we know that anyone who steps out is uh, going to be subject to some type of attack from the enemy. Mm. So we ask for your protection over them, Lord, and we pray for peace in their home, in their marriage. And as you send stir people's hearts, Lord, to send to go with them, we uh, thank you for them. And we pray that you would grant us the grace to hear your voice, Lord. We're very comfortable here. Mm. We like it here. We love it here, Father. You've given us a great place here. You've given us a great pastor here. We thank you for all you're doing here, yes, Lord, in our midst. And we look forward to what you're going to do in this yes, new Lord. place. And so whoever among us, Lord, you want to send, grant us the grace to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Yes. Well, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I promise you that uh, next week we will get back into the book of Matthew. But I, first of all, I want to kind of uh, speak to, to the issues that uh, Craig had, had brought up. You, you get about halfway through the book of Acts, and you eventually get to a story that you could call the tale of two churches. You've got the church in Jerusalem, and then you've got the church in Antioch. And the church in Jerusalem never broke free 
from the religious traditions of the past. In fact, you get, you get to the end of the book of Acts, it appears that the church in Jerusalem was still very comfortable with animal sacrifice, as weird as that sounds. But when you look at the church in Antioch, you remember that Barnabas went there and we're told that he could see the grace of God. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but he could see the grace of God in that church. And when it came time for the Lord to use a church, did he use the church that was stuck in the religious traditions of the past, or did he choose to use the church in world missions with, with that church that had been set free by the grace of God? He used that assembly of believers that were forward thinking. I love what Paul famously said in Philippians chapter three, and I, I love the way that Eugene Peterson translates it. He says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have, have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out to me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I am not turning back. It seems that over and over again in the scripture, the Lord uses those who aren't looking in the past, but using those who are looking towards the future. Now, as Craig had mentioned, we're not interested in just causing this church to grow and grow and grow. That's, that's not what we are into. It was about 20, 25 years ago, there was a guy by the name of George um, George Ballard. And George Ballard studied churches, and he studied churches that collapsed, and he studied churches that were used marvelously by the Lord. And he discovered that when churches were, you know, three, four, five, six, seven decades old, that they all follow the very same pattern. And he grafted it out on what he called the life cycle of the church. Now, he used three letters, V for vision, R for relationships, P for program, and M for management. And he said that all churches follow. Now, some churches, they close in three years. Some close in five. Some close in ten. But when you have a church that goes for a number of decades, they all seem to follow this same pattern. And he said they start out with birth, right? Now, when he uses V, R, P, and M, when it's capitalized, the letters capitalized, that's the strength of a church in that season. When it's lowercase, that's the weakness of the church in that season. And so he said, all churches begin with a birth. Group of people get together, hey, let's start a church. Let's, let's plan a church. And when that church is being birthed, it's really only got one thing going for it, and that's vision. They're big on vision. Oh, God is going to use us, and this is going to be a, a great thing. And then about maybe three to five years later, a church reaches infancy where now they're still big on vision, but now relationships are starting to come along. Maybe some of the people that have helped plan it, maybe, maybe they've gone through health problems. Maybe they've lost loved ones. Maybe they've lost a child. But the group has gone through some tough water together, and they're building these wonderful relationships. And then about three, five years later, the church reaches adolescence, 
and they've, they're still strong on vision. They've got great relationship, but now they're adding programs. Now maybe they do a, a short-term mission every spring. Maybe they've got a vacation Bible school uh, going on. Maybe they've got this marriage retreat that they do once a year, and they put these programs together. And then eventually they reach adulthood as a congregation, and then they have management that comes along. They've got to start having administration because of the programs. You don't want vacation Bible school going on when the ladies got their deal going on at the same night. And so you need to bring some management to this. Now, Ballard tells us that it takes somewhere between 25 and 30 years. And then a church gets over the hump and it becomes a mature congregation. But I want you to notice that going over the hump, the very first thing that they lose is vision. And you see this so often with a congregation where you're, you're spending more time looking back than you are looking ahead. Because again, think of the ages of the people that have planted this church. If, if this church was planted when the people were in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s, well, now they're in their 60s or 70s and their 80s, so they've got less time in front of them and not as much time behind them. And so the vision, how many times do you hear churches talking about, you remember that Phil Kagey concert we had back there in 1979? Wasn't that awesome? Remember that Larry Norman outreach we had back there in 75? Wasn't that just a wonderful time? And they're always talking about the past. That's a pretty good indication that that church is on the decline. And then there's the empty nesters, where all of a sudden, a lot of young people are, are missing. A lot of young families are missing. And again, vision is low, and now the programs begin to drop because you just don't have the energy to do it. And then you end up in that retirement stage where now relationships begin to go. Why? Well, some people are going into the nursing home and some people are dying. And so those relationships begin to dwindle. And it's at this point that people think, well, what we need to do is bring back programs. No, what you need to bring back is vision. And eventually you end up in that death state where the only thing you got going is management. You show me a dying church, I'll show you a church that still knows where every penny is, is going. Now notice on the downside at every level, the weak point is always vision. Conversely, on the upside, notice at every level, the strong point is vision. So what has to happen when you have a congregation that's four, five decades old, you have an aging congregation, now you have to repurpose, you have to revision. And this is what the elders of this congregation are seeing happen. Now, 75% of all churches go the way of a dying church. But we, we believe that God wants to repurpose Harvest Fellowship. And in that repurposing, we see a great investment in missions. We see a great investment in church planning. And so you pray that God will be bringing these young guys who are called of God to plant churches. In the months ahead, we're going to be sharing with you some opportunities that we're trying to develop uh, with an accredited online Bible college where we're going to be able to give some of these young men a bachelor's degree in theology at an extremely, extremely, it's, it's an obscenely uh, low price. And, and so this is, we see ourselves as being a training center and equipping these young guys uh, to send them out. So you pray for us. Now, talk about a, another young guy that we have here. He looks like 
the other young guy that just talked, do you want to advance your slides or do you want me to? All right. Do oh, they'll do it. All right. You advance them back there. So this is Corey. You have been with Destiny Rescue a lot of years. Yes. And you guys are involved with um, freeing these kids from the sex trade, rehabilitating them. You were telling me a story uh, uh, Thursday about a young girl in the Philippines. And that sort of talks about one aspect of this ministry. Share that story. It's an incredible story. I would. First of all, I just want to say hello, everyone. It's a wonderful and an honor to be back at Harvest. You guys have been partnering with Destiny Rescue for over 11 years now, and I could not say thank you enough. The stories that you're going to hear today are a direct impact of what you guys are making possible. So please know from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say a massive thank you. Paul's shedding light on the story of Chelsea. We're going to call her name Chelsea. Chelsea, at the time she was being trafficked, was three years old. There was this notorious trafficker. He was taking very young children and doing horrible things to them, streaming them online for people all over the world to take advantage of these beautiful kids. And one day we have an informant. We have informants in many of the countries we work in around the world. And he reached out to one of our lead rescue agents dealing with online child sexual exploitation cases. And this agent or this informant said, I was on this dating site and this trafficker came on offering me very young children with explicit material. And so our team began to investigate it and sure enough, it was true. And so our agent went undercover and posed as a customer, built a whole profile online. And this trafficker had been being chased for two years by eight top law enforcement agencies all over the world and they were not able to find this guy. Um, and so this, all of a sudden, um, the guy began soliciting our rescue agent with multiple previews of what he could do online through online streaming with these, these kids. And one of them happened to be this beautiful young girl at three years old, Chelsea. And he began to offer our agent over and over again, but we couldn't find him. We had no clue where he was at. And one day our agent was scouring social media, trying to find uh, through his images, anything that he could find to break the case. And he ended up finding an image of a building that looked very familiar in the Philippines. So now all of a sudden it wasn't anywhere in the world. It was now the Philippines, but they had no clue where in the Philippines. And this guy kept offering all these kids and our agent was mortified because we couldn't find her. And at three years old, this girl was being um, abused over and over again. And all of a sudden, there was another break in the case two years later. And um, our agent on social media, three people removed from this trafficker, he noticed this image of a mother with this very young girl, and it happened to be Chelsea. And they located it in a prominent city in the Philippines, but they had no clue where to find her. But there was this unique green gate that this mother and daughter were there at this unique green gate. And so our agent was able to scour Google Street View for hours and hours and hours 
and was able to locate that green gate. And they were able to contact the National Bureau of Investigation in the Philippines and work with our team on the ground there. They opened a legal case and they began to uh, continue to build the trust of this trafficker. Long story short, we were able to set up a raid and we ended up rescuing Chelsea. And we confiscated the phone of this man and we were able to confiscate hundreds of details of, of pedophiles information. And we were able to rescue not only Chelsea at five years old, she was five at this point, but we were able to rescue two more children on that same day. We had the trafficker arrested. And this is the sad thing. The mother was an accomplice in the trafficking of her own child. And we were able to arrest, arrest her and another accomplice in this situation. And we've already used the data from all of what we've done and worked with law enforcement agencies. And we've made um, several more arrests of perpetrators that were purchasing these online shows. And so all of a sudden, I, I think this, how does Chelsea get rescued? How does this beautiful girl that is supposed to be enjoying a beautiful life endure such horrific abuse at the hands of evil people. The reason Chelsea gets rescued is because people just like you invested in the work of Destiny Rescue that empowered our agents to stay out every day looking for kids just like that. And so I can't tell you from the bottom of my heart, miracles are taking place all over the world on a daily basis because of you. On average, we're rescuing nine victims a day or 65 victims a week because of generous people just like you. Now, not only do you rescue, but you also rehabilitate. You, I, I can't imagine the emotional, mental trauma that these young kids go through. Mm -hmm. So how do you restore them? Absolutely. So one part of what we do is we rescue. We have agents all over the world looking for kids that are trapped in sexual slavery. We work in 12 countries in Asia, Latin America, and Africa. But once we rescue these kids, we, our heart is that they would be healed and restored and go on to live out the life and purpose that God has for them. And so I love to uh, tell a story that, that can shed light on the healing process that takes place in these kids' lives. And it's the so story of Sanyu. I actually met this beautiful girl when I was in Uganda. She lives in Uganda. But this beautiful girl was 16 years old when she got rescued. But she had a rough start. Her parents went through a difficult divorce and she stayed with her mother. Her father was no longer in the picture. And she was living at home with her mother and her live-in boyfriend. And the boyfriend tried to make advances at Sanyu when the mother wasn't around. And the mother wouldn't believe Sanyu that she was going to be abused. So she ran away to live with some friends. And they were very poor, this group of friends, living in a grass-thatched hut with no electricity. And they literally were trying to survive for their next meal. They didn't know where it was gonna come from. And many of them began renting their bodies to put food on the table that very day or the next day. And so they said to Sanyu, if you're gonna live here, you've got to make money to pay for rent and food, just like we all have to do. And she had no skills or education. And so she's like, I don't know what to do. They said, well, you can rent your body like we do. You're, if you go home, you're gonna be abused, but at least here you'll make money doing it. And she resisted and resisted, but all of a sudden she felt the pressure of having to make money and she ended up being enslaved in this horrific life. And when we rescued 
beautiful saying you. Well, this is what happened. She began to cry out to God, God, if you're real, provide food for me. Provide food for me so that I know you're real. And one day she was walking in the community and she noticed these group of kids at a church and she walked up to them and she didn't let them know her situation. But she said, does God answer prayer about food? And they said, well, we're doing a three day fast. God is a God who answers prayer about food. Join the fast with us and you'll see that God answers prayer. And so she was like, what do I have to lose? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to join this. And during between the time that she started the fast, Destiny Rescued rescued Sanyu and she came into our care. And in our project during the morning devotional, they talked about the love of God. And right at the end of the devotional, we gave each kid in our program a month's worth of food in a big bag. You see that in that picture up there. She's standing with her big bag of food and tears streaming down her face that the God of the Bible is the God who answers prayer to provide food. We rescued her out of that horrific environment and we began to wrap our loving arms around her and teach her that she has value and worth and that God loves her and wants her to be part of his forever family. And those roots, the truth of the gospel message sank into her heart and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And she began to dream a dream, dreams. In her situation, they didn't dream dreams. It was survival for the next meal. But we began to teach her that you can dream a dream that God put in your heart, that you can go on and have safe employment and be able to function in life at a high capacity. And her dream was to become a hairdresser. And so we helped her learn the skill of hairdressing. And that picture up there is her receiving her starter salon kit from our organization. And the day that I was at the project, she came back. She had already been reintegrated back into the community. And she came back, Paul, and she said, Madame Ruth, Madame Ruth, she was the human resource director. She goes, I've got to tell you, I have a great job in my local community as a hairdresser at a great salon. I'm involved in my local church and the pastor disciples me. And I've met a godly young man and we're engaged to be married. Yeah. But the pastor asked me to wait one year so that we're making sure we're making the right decision and I'm gonna honor that request. And she was beaming ear to ear because of her life transformation. She went from the most hopeless of hopeless situations, thinking that her life could never change, that no one would ever think and value her enough to rescue her, to a year later, so happy that she's engaged to be married, that she's given her life to Jesus Christ, that she's empowered with safe employment and she's contributing in her community to society. How does that miracle happen? It happens because the people of God rise up and invest in the things that God cares about, that people get rescued. So our organization, Destiny Rescue, our programs, we, we help kids. Once we rescue them, we identify what is the root cause of why kids end up in the sex industry? How can we help them overcome those vulnerabilities so that they can be empowered to live out the destiny God has for them? We do that by creating what we call a, a freedom plan. Our caseworkers work with each child and family. What, what plan can we design that can help take you down the path to wholeness and complete self-sufficiency independent of our organization? And so that includes things like um, vocational training, education, food, 
clothing, urgent medical care, discipleship, sharing the gospel message. And to your point, one of the key ingredients that we provide these kids is a program called Empower. On our international board sits Dr. Robbie Zonerager. He's a clinical psychologist and he created this program called Empower. It's, it's a resiliency trauma, resiliency-based program that equips children to deal with the stress and the trauma that they've been through to help them on the path to their healing process. And at the core of this program, it takes the best of science and the best of biblical Christian principles. And at the core of it, I asked him, what is the core? And he said, it's the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness and helping children understand that you are not less than because you've walked through this valley, but because you've walked through the valley you've walked through, you can actually be stronger and more resilient than ever. God works all things mm -hmm. together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so these things can actually strengthen them with the right perspective and mental fortitude through the truth of scripture. And so um, our organization was a case study for his organization. He's taken over a million people through this program on the front lines in war-torn communities and uh, in Africa dealing with genocide and horrible situations. And so we saw incredible fruit of kids um, being on the road to their healing process and the power of forgiveness. They would always say, I forgave my parents. I forgave my abuser. I, I was able to get past that and now I have, I'm filled with joy and peace. And so there's something to it, Paul. We were talking about this earlier. The power of forgiveness allows you to move forward with the plan and purpose of God. Yeah. And so our organization offers those kinds of things. Terrific. So how can we be involved? Absolutely. You know, I was praying today God, what, what is it that you want me to impart to your people? And I felt like he was saying, Corey, teach him who I am. What do I care about? The things that I value while, while people are on this earth. And it's that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. That when we see people and we see injustice that comes across our path, instead of walking on by and do nothing, that we would respond when the Holy Spirit tugs our heart. Just like the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus said, if you want to be like me and my Father in heaven, be like the Good Samaritan. When he saw need and he saw distress when he walked on by, he stopped, it inconvenienced him. He bandaged this guy up. Then he took him to an end. So it cost him his time and his resources. It, and he risked his life to help this individual. And then he also had to put down his prejudices and the offenses that happened to him. And he said, you're different than me. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't get along, but I see you in need. And God is asking me to help you. And I reach down and I help and I make a difference. And I felt like God was putting in my heart. Maybe you're here today and you've been in church a long time, but you've never crossed over that threshold to help partner with God in his kingdom work in the earth, whether that's volunteering in this church or partnering with mission organizations like ours on the front lines, doing kingdom work like that. My prayer tonight is that you would take that step forward, whatever the Holy Spirit's asking you to do, and that you would invest in the things that God cares about. Tonight, I'm giving you an opportunity 
to invest in helping rescue and restore kids that are trapped. Right now, there's at least a million children that are trapped in the commercial sex industry that are crying out for somebody like Chelsea or Sanya. They're crying out for somebody to help see them rescued. And not everybody can go, but partnering with our organization, you can do that. And that's by becoming a rescue partner with Destiny Rescue. A rescue partner is someone who commits to giving any monthly amount to the work of Destiny Rescue. That monthly commitment helps our rescue agents be out every day looking for these kids. And once we find them, it's to take them either to one of our safe homes or um, back with their family and provide a solution, keeping, uh, providing healing to them. So for any monthly amount, for some of you, that's $40 a month. That's just over $1.30 a day. Some of you can do $50. That's just under $2 a day. Some can do $100 and some can do less. My heart is this. When you respond to God, to what he's asking you to do, miracles like the story of Chelsea and Sanyuk happen. And you're a part of God's eternal plan of seeing kids rescued and healed and restored and given a chance to love God. So you do that. We have these rescue partner packs on our table at, out in the foyer. And so there's a story of a child on there. That child has actually already been rescued. But what it does, is it helps you identify with a child every month that you're going to help rescue and you're going to help see restored and healed. And then the next month, you're going to help do that again and again. And so um, how you sign up is this envelope at the top says start here. And you're just going to take that envelope out and you're going to put your monthly amount at the top you're going to put your contact information. You can have it debited from your credit card, your debit card, or via ACH uh, through your savings or checking account. And, and then what I would like you to do is just hand that in to me. And then you are going to take the rest of this pack home. And in about a week or two, you're going to get a welcome kit in the mail from our organization, letting you know what you did as a rescue partner with our organization. And um, every month, what you're going to get from Destiny Rescue is a monthly update of impact that you're helping make possible. Stories like you heard of Chelsea or uh, Sanyu and many others. And, um, and so my heart today is that you would just be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. Whatever he would have you do, myself and I have a, a volunteer that's helping me tonight. We're going to be back there. I would love to answer any questions you have. And I want to say for all of you that are already supporting our work, there are many of you here from the bottom of my heart, Paul, I just want to say thank you. You are the reason these kind of kids are getting rescued. You are connecting with God's heart for his heart for justice and eternity looks different because of you. So I want to say a massive thank yeah. you. Well, let's pray for mm -hmm. Corey. Father, I thank you for this young man and the call that you have placed upon his life. And I would pray that you would fill him, God, with your spirit. And may this next year be a year of great victory in his life and in the ministry of Destiny Rescue. Father, no greater love do we have than to lay down our life for another and so help this organization as they strive to deliver these kids from such barbaric environments, Lord, so sick. And it does cause us just to cry out, oh, come quickly, yes, Lord Jesus. So, Father, bless Destiny Rescue.
Help us, Father, to care and to see people the way you do. Yes, For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.